I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is going to be the coldest open. Hmm. That's right. The first thing that jumps into your mind when you hear of Kevin Rudd. Handball. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I said when you hear of Kevin Rudd, I suppose synonymous when you think of Kevin Rudd. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking handball. That or Mandarin. I know he's very fluent in Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> Not a certain hours of the night, apparently. Video on YouTube called Kevin Rudd Compilation. Compilation spelt with a K. <laughs> um, yeah, that's... I was... I was thinking in my head, I was like, now. have I constructed this false memory of their, like, this, like, MLG Kevin Rudd compilation? Mm. I think I well, have. Well, I think, no, I think, I think they're, yeah. dif- they're different. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, yeah. Kev gone give it to you. <laughs> is, I think, the MLG one you're thinking oh, of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. PR. Handball memes really jumped on Kevin Rudd that. compilation. Tell us about it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, good vid. Yeah, you got him just doing the uh, singing in the choir, like, very loudly. <laughs> Very good. Speaking Mandarin, not being a happy little Vegemite. <laughs> I like the one where he's doing chin-ups. Chin-ups at Bondi Beach, I think. Yeah, that's also a good one with the bodybuilder. <laughs> and the, like you really see how petite Kevin Rudd is as the bodybuilder yeah. helps him up and down yes. the bar. And, of course, a bit of handball. Yeah. Mm. I'd say his technique has gotten better. 100%. The first, his, his, his debut was pretty um, was pretty shocking. Mm. It's like it was a whole body experience, <laughs> like straight arms. <laughs> head, head going everywhere, head not still. Mm. Yeah, a handball coach would have a have a field day on him. Sounds like you're having a field day on him. Yeah, I mean, the, you uh, just got to keep the head still. Yeah. <laughs> and... One that comes to mind, particularly when I hear Kevin Rudd's name, it's a Hamish and Andy segment. I can't. I don't, I'm only a part-time listener. Oh. The one where you have to pretend that you have a certain object, they give you follow-up questions on the object, yeah. and if you can successfully persuade them. Mm-hmm. The best one I've ever heard of that was a guy who made up the fact that he had a dim sim signed by Kevin Rudd. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite good. <laughs> I like it's the it's the it's the right level of obscurity. To be like, okay, that's hard to come up with. And he kind of went with a line of like, yeah, so obviously Kevin Rudd is fluent in Mandarin and I had nothing else on me that he could sign when he came to my school when we played handball. And he said that he was one of the schools that Kevin Rudd went to play handball with. Oh, very good. So I pulled out my either dim sim or dim sum. Dim sum. (laughs) (laughs) What's he got a dim sim at school for? (laughs) We're talking about their Uh, canteen on the the Patreon. (laughs) Singing, where is the love on sunrise? Yeah. Did you see mm. when he, so when Koshi had his farewell, did you see Joe Hockey and Kevin Rudd came back? No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. We need a Patreon reacts to, <laughs> <laughs> to this video. So they like play like the montage of like Koshi's best moments. And obviously like sunrise was at its peak in 2004 when <laughs> Joe Hockey and Kevin Rudd were doing the early mornings every day. Okay. And Kevin Rudd comes back and they replay Where Is The Love. Brilliant. Um, mm. Yeah, okay. We're, we're, Gangman we're, style on the Today Show. True. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of Andrew O'Keefe on Sunrise Weekend Edition saying to Momotich, but I've just conflated those <laughs> memories in my head. <laughs> 
Now, we are going to begin, we're going to do a whole episode on Kevin 07. Mm. And this is one I kind of had in the back pocket and like the time has to be right to do the Kevin run. And I really don't know what I was actually waiting for. Okay. It felt, I don't know, I just didn't want to use it too well. I always wanted to have the idea that we've got Kevin Rudd still to go. Mm. I didn't I didn't want to cash in, so to speak. Mm. Not our Everest. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe our Kilimanjaro. <laughs> Kilimanjaro. <laughs> now, we begin the story with Kevin Rudd's earlier life before entering at least Parliament. Mm-hmm. Do you know what his background was? It's from Queensland. He was. He is from Queensland. What did he study? I don't uh, know. I think, uh, like, I think law and politics. Yeah, yeah. Mm. At, I know he studied at ANU in Queensland, at yeah. in Canberra, I should say. Mm-hmm. Do you know what high school he went to? I'm mean, gonna guess some. I think he's a rural Queensland he's one. A, he's a country boy. Oh yeah, mm. yeah, okay. big time. He plays into it when he needs to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> That's like a bit of barley in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's like, because he kind of fluctuated, he fluctuates between being the, like, when he needs to be the nerd on foreign affairs or whatever he needs mm-hmm. to be, when he needs to be the Queenslander that got caught in the strip club, he also is that as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's really an enigma all of a leader. to all men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think your question's pretty broad, to be honest, Cam. I don't know, background, he, uh, like, he worked uh, for, in China for a little yes. bit. Yes. What was he doing in China? He's a diplomat. Oh, very good. Did, and, did he work for an... Like as an just an organi- a private organization before. I don't. Th- that. I don't think he had much experience in private business. Okay. I don't think. I, don't, I think he barely touched the private sector. So he does his law and politics. Is fluent in Sinology, so study of China, and becomes a diplomat over in China. The reason why I begin with that question is he doesn't go the conventional route of a labor minister. Um, where do you think his his sort of love affair with China began? Like, why why is he? Because actually, he he does write about this in the Avoidable War, fantastic book. If you haven't read it, mm. do read. So it's Kevin Rudd's analysis of the rise of China and its clash with America. In the book, he actually says that it was because Mao Zedong was opening up China when he was a kid, and his mum said to him that this is a really important moment in world history, and then that kind of captured his interest in China, and he just wanted to read. Because again, it's kind of it's probably similar to. I use this analogy often mm. of uh, say North say Kim Jong Un opened up talks between America and North Korea, and now Biden and Kim Jong Un are hanging out heaps. Yeah, it would be like a high schooler wanting to read everything about North Korea because it's so fascinating to have. Interesting, and it would be like that on steroids because China's got a multi-thousand-year history that's well documented and well known, whereas Korea doesn't have that to the same extent. Mm. So it's really interesting because he doesn't actually begin in the unions, which is where most Labor MPs end up because the unions control the Labor Party. Mm. And so typically, right, it used to be you were a union rep. So Ben Chifley, so a Labor Prime Minister in the 40s, he was literally a train driver before ending up to become Prime Minister. Mm. Nowadays, you're a lawyer who represents unions. That's kind of your your way in to the Labor Party. But Kevin Rudd wasn't that. And he had no union background. And that's going to become really important at the very end of today. But let's fast forward 2004. Do you know who the Labor leader was who took on John Howard? Speaks a lot of common sense. Mm. Just an ordinary Australian. No, I got nothing. I don't know who it is. Mark Latham. Ah, okay. Latham. So literally a One Nation guy Jason right now. Latham. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he is From the the Meg and the Meg too. <laughs> he's the leader of Labor in 2004. He's unsuccessful against John Howard. Latham eventually steps down. And Kim Beasley becomes the later lead, Labor leader. Mm. And Kim Beasley has a bit of a mare. Um, so he kind of has a few gaffes. Probably my favorite gaff. So is, is Kim a man? Kim's a man, yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I mean, I think Kim Possible has really done <laughs> a number on all men mm. or all men named Kim. Yeah. It's it a pretty tough. common male name. Kim I mean Hughes. Kim Jong-un. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, no, I guess so. Um. Play on. So, yes, I, 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 apart from Kim Kardashian and Kath and Kim, I really don't know too many female Kims, apart from Kim Possible, of course. Yeah. Anyway, to, to kind of keep the story moving, <laughs> we're not done with Niche Australiana just yet because, okay, very good. because Kim Beasley has a bit of a mare. So, very tragically, Rove McManus's wife, remember Rove? Yeah. Yeah. So, his wife, his, his wife died in 2007. 
Or 2006. I don't remember that. 2006, no, 2006. How did she die? Cancer, I believe. Yeah. Anyway, one of the key people in George Bush's cabinet was called Carl Rove. Kim Beasley says, my condolences with Carl Rove for oh, the passing of his wife. Oh, no. And Rove is a national treasure at that yeah. point in Australia. And so that actually, like, he that does a lot of damage to his PR. Wow. Mm. Amongst other things, like, he wasn't able to make very strong gains against John Howard in 2006. So at the end of 2006, Labor scrapped Kim Beasley and they put in Kevin Rudd with his deputy. Julia Gillard. Loyal Gillard. Julia. Mm. And the deal was that Kevin Rudd would get two bites at the cherry against John Howard. So if he was unsuccessful in 2007, he would be allowed to recontest in 2010. And Julia Gillard wasn't supposed to challenge for the leadership until after the 2010 election if Rudd was unsuccessful. Ooh. But mm. Rudd got it first go. Look at oh, him go. Oh, Kevin. <laughs> Did you, was there ever a comment amongst your, because I don't know, social media cha- trends changed so much over the course of just three years. Mm. But when I was in high school and people getting their P's, mm. was it a trend when people got their P's to put first go manual if they got their P's on their first go? So like people would put their P's driver's license. So you'd kind of yeah, let yeah. the world know that you'd passed your P's test, I'm with yeah. you. but that you were no pleb. And that you got it the first go while driving a manual. Oh, wow. I see. Right. That was a real, yeah, that was a real big craze. No. When no I, I don't was, remember that, no. When people were getting their P's. Point being. First go. First go. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't yeah, mean for him. second bites of the cherry. Mm. Do you remember? Uh, Do you remember the election? I was just going to say, I remember there was, I don't know if you remember at the top of the school, the primary school that we went to, BBPS, they're just on the sidewalk there. It just says Kevin 07, like in big yes! life. Like oh my goodness! Painted letters. That yeah. is a memory I have not thought about in 17, 18 years. Like I'd always just wondered who put that there to begin with. Oh um, my goodness! Oh, was it? Fu- like, is it in the concrete? Yeah. So just outside the gate, oh as you my. walk towards like wow. sort of the Cronulla. Side. Yes, down the hill of Barney Bay Road. Yeah. Is, is it on the footpath? On the footpath, on the oh. school side. Wow. Yeah. So anyone travelling along Barney Bay Road, we'll, we'll out our school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Barney Bay Public we, School. We only been good publicity in this. <laughs> we won't do yeah. any Start. public school. We, we, we're we're not probably, impacting, we surely said the name before. We're not impacting their bottom line. Start scratching our names off the alumni. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where's, the, where's our Wikipedia page? Where's our... <laughs> no, I, have, I have added PY to... Oh, sorry, our high schools. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I have added PY multiple times to our notable alumni, and they keep removing my Wikipedia edition. What's your um? What kind of titles are you? Yeah. Are, you are, are you comfortable with me saying your Instagram handle? Um. <laughs> so, uh, creator of PY's Instagram okay. handle is, oh, right. is yeah. my description. Yeah. Oh, very good. Wow, but anyone going down, everyone travelling east along Barony Bay Road, <laughs> look out for that bit of memorabilia there. What a shout that is. So, yeah, what do you reckon? They've they probably painted it like when, you know, because it's obviously a place where people go and vote in the election. Yeah. And just some, someone's painted some propaganda and it's worked. And that's got to be the most mm. optimistic I can ever remember a political campaign being. I remember. What do you mean by that? People. Like, I mean, the, the sentiment amongst the year ones was that we're afraid of change. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> I don't know, don't know who this other person is. I know this, this True. John Howard's been prime minister my whole life. I don't know. My parents have told me that he's the greatest human <laughs> and, and the thing as well, he's kind of like the, got the school principal thing going of him. Like I view John Howard as just a larger scale way of the way I view my benevolent primary school principal. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you just your view of the world is like, hey, if they if they broke, don't fix it. <laughs> um, I remember a lot of people saying like the calls were like Howard the coward or Rudd the dud. Those were the Crud. those were the kind of uh, the the barbs being thrown across. Were you were we seriously saying this in year one? I don't recall. Oh, I, I I remember Latham versus John Howard when I was in year one, and mm. I remember. Being like, oh, Mark Latham looks mean because he wears glasses. Neglecting <laughs> <laughs> that John Howard also wears glasses. Oh. Is it he like loses his voice when he uh, does his acceptance speech, or is that some another time where he loses his Kevin Rudd? Yeah, uh, where, definitely when he when he's leaving Parliament, he cries. So twenty ten, I need your support. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be having you. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, probably multiple times. Definitely mm. 2010 when Julia Gillard's just knifed him. Mm. Like, he is holding back the tears. Yeah, yeah. It's like mm. me when I found out I wasn't with my mates at Year 5 camp. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, that was the exact... His eyes were communicating that exact feeling. Mm. But there was a lot of optimism around Kevin Rudd yeah. in 07. Like, I can't yeah. remember... Like, I, rem- I was, what, 10 at the time, and I remember the nation being distinctly positive about, yeah, Kevin Rudd, this is this is exciting. And I, from, I have another question. Yes. Do you think if his name wasn't Kevin and he didn't have the slogan of Kevin 07, his campaign wouldn't have gone as fortuitously? I, I would say you lose about six seats. Wow. I mean, there's no, there's no factual basis for that. But it's the like sort of six insightful seats. political commentary to get on this, uh, on this podcast. It's like when you had Jake Jake, the icing on the cake. <laughs> what was your other one? See why you should vote for Pete White. Um, yeah, that, 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 that could be the difference between being prefect or not. Now, it's true. The, the optimism was, was pretty positive, and he, he ends up beating Howard quite comfortably. And he becomes the Prime Minister in 2007. Really interestingly, he campaigned on being an economic conservative. That was, those were the exact words that Kevin Rudd used to describe himself. And his whole strategy was to take the ammo out of the Liberals' hands. He was like, hey, all these things you don't like about John Howard, the fact that he got us into Iraq, the fact that he won't give an apology speech, I'll, I'll change all, I'll change that. Well, they'd kind of the Iraq thing was kind of a little bit more complex. I'll kind of change our position on that. And don't worry, I'm not a socialist. You're safe with me. And that was kind of the angle that Kevin Rudd was hitting. Mm. So have you ever heard of work choices? No, mm. I don't think so. Basically, it was probably Howard's most controversial domestic reform after the gun laws. So okay. so gun laws are at the very beginning of when John Howard comes into mm. power. At the very end, so after he wins the 04 election and we go into 2005, Howard's kind of thinking, you know what, at this point, I don't really care if I win re-election or not. I might step down. I might not. I don't really know. I am just going to pass whatever I want to pass without fear of getting voted out. And so he introduces really controversial laws called work choices. If you kind of think about the spectrum of rights of the employer versus rights of the employee, it moves very heavily into towards the employer. Probably the most notable part of those sets of laws where he got rid of he got rid of unfair dismissal for if your company had under a hundred employees. That has two effects. Number one, basically, like to, to all the small businesses, that's kind of a ploy for yeah, small business. Like you guys, if you know your pimply fifteen year old doesn't show up for his shift at the fish market, yeah, go fire him, whatever. But it also benefited big business because it disincentivized people to work for small business. Mm. because basically the pitch was, okay, I could get fired at any point. It's much more safe to go work for a big company. So it actually, it kind of, best of both worlds, market towards small business, which the Liberal Party always has, but also benefit your donors, which is big business. Mm. But that being said, it was really unpopular Mm. because people were like, maybe I I don't want to get fired for any myriad of reasons. Fast forward. So, 07, Kevin Rudd basically says this is a referendum on a couple of things. Number one, it's a referendum on work choices first and foremost. Number two, it's a referendum on climate change because I'm going to take action on climate change. This was kind of like the era of like Al Gore's documentary that he makes about climate change and the world is starting to kind of get really concerned about climate change at this point. Number three, he basically says it's time for a vision for Australia. Howard has no vision. He wants to preserve the past. Case in point, his insistence on not doing an apology speech to Indigenous Australians. So Kevin Rudd, he kind of has this sexy campaign where he's like, yeah, mm. good change, coming forward, leading Australia into the future, wins in 07. In 2008, he passes the laws to get rid of work choices, but he's pretty moderate. He doesn't go gung-ho, so he kind of ditches the unfair dismissal laws and all that sort of thing. He replaces the Fair Play Commission with a stronger Fair Work Commission, and he's the same time, he still allows companies to lock out their workers. So he still gives the employer that right. What do you mean by lock out? Like prohibit them from working if their demands are unreasonable. Yeah. Because that's a, it's basically the employer going on strike. Interesting. You can't it's like it's like it's just the reverse of yeah, you want to feed your family? Good luck. You can't come to work until you back down. Interesting. Mm. It's the it's the you know reverse card effectively. Yeah. There you go. And 
Rudd still allows companies to do that. And a number of countries have completely prohibited yep. co- companies from doing that. I have spoken on the Patreon before about my detention, one and only detention in primary school when I was in year five, mm. when I was breakdancing in the junior school area, when I was a primary school area. Mm. I have a memory of that day. So mm. the day afterwards, so the day I actually served the detention. I remember walking out of detention, sunny day, walking down to the Oval. I remember saying, man, isn't Kevin Rudd doing a wonderful job? <laughs> <laughs> my basis for that. It's a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> All my one and only bit of knowledge, Kevin Rudd had done the sorry speech. No, I didn't know anything about Indigenous history or anything like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, like... Mum says it's good to say sorry when we do things yeah, wrong. Yeah. So. I was like, yeah, okay. Like Arthur Phillip, Captain Cook. We have a houses named after them. I don't really know what they did, but this just feels like a rightful progression of the narrative, so to speak. And I remember distinctly saying that, man, isn't Kevin... Wright, and we're from a part... I mean, we've literally named our school. We're not from a very pro-Labour area... Mm. And so that was quite normal from a pro-labor family or anything. So that was quite remarkable that I had come to to, to yeah. that conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was just a general... Fe- 2008, Kevin Rudd's having a honeymoon. Mm. Like there's a general feeling of optimism in the nation. There's talks about will the Liberal Party even survive moving forward? The atmosphere was probably pretty similar to the Liberal Party at the start of this year. So like Peter Dutton's regained a lot of territory. Mm. I think him lead it, like voting no on The Voice is 100% tactically smart. Though, you know, think, make, make whatever you will on kind of the morality behind the decision or the politics behind it. Politically, it is smart because it is absorbing a lot of those kind of right-wing culture warriors, so to speak, which the Liberal Party had lost. And so at the beginning of the year, because the Liberal Party had lost all those kind of, yeah, like people to One Nation and to UAP and whatever... There was talks about the Liberal Party potentially not being, not surviving going into the future, particularly after Perrottet got beaten by Chris Minns in New South Wales. An interesting clip has been resurfaced, was which was people saying the same thing about the Liberal Party in 2008. Kevin Rudd was riding high, he was really popular, and people were saying, will the Liberal Party survive moving forward? The reason why I'm like, the Liberal Party will absolutely come back into power within the next, you know, within, sometime in the next decade is because of what happened to Kevin Rudd. The Liberal Party then got three consecutive terms Mm. when they said they were going out of existence. That point I'm making, though, is that optimism was really high and people loved Kevin Rudd in 2008, but the honeymoon Mm. had to come to an end. The Beijing Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) This happens at the same time as the Beijing Olympics. Steve Hooker's <laughs> world record in the... I still remember being so inspired as a as a young man by that. Yeah. Thinking, how do I enter this game of pole vault? Um, <laughs> I remember the heartbreak of Steph Rice and Eamon Sullivan breaking up right before goal, oh, right before yeah. Beijing. Steph mm. Rice gets gold, Sullivan gets silver. Like, oh, Yeah, tough. That oh. hurts. <laughs> but it is not the Beijing Olympics. 2008. GFC, baby. GFC. Now, Kevin Rudd. Basically, it's really so. His the secretary. Australia, so how did the GFC happen during the Olympics? Uh, it became bad by September. Olympics, if I'm not mistaken, was August, okay, and the subprime so. mortgage crisis had kind of begun underway. It wasn't called the reckon, GFC by August. Yeah. Mm. So do you reckon they? Do you reckon the analysts sort of like they saw it in August and they're like, let's just hold off on this. <laughs> 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 like, well, um. We're, yeah, we won't we won't show boss just yet. It's like the, the story of when Bush finds out about nine eleven. Yeah, and he finishes the children's book. Yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's probably what happened. Probably what happened. Um, yeah, but GFC, we are we're here. So December twenty thousand eight. We discussed it on the last pod the subprime mortgage crisis where uh, banks basically traded people's mortgages as commodities. And that was a huge issue because it incentivized banks to sign people up for mortgages they could never afford because they didn't have to deal out the, with the fallout of that person not being able to repay their mortgage. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what caused Kevin Rudd to lose favor from that because from what I've learned, just even from business studies and post then, post the GFC, Kevin Rudd has been mostly praised for how he handled the GFC. That is correct. Mm. within economic circles and retrospectively. 
Yeah. At the time. Not so much. So, so in 2000, oh, I'll explain, yeah, like 2008, he certainly absorbs a lot of praise. But 2010, Gillard cops the brunt of Labor's plan. Even though I think Labor's plan is good. But we'll kind mm. of, we'll, we'll explain how we got there. So firstly, subprime mortgage crisis equals bad. Mm-hmm. But we don't know it's going to be the GFC. And Rudd was talking with um, the Australian Secretary of Treasury and basically Rudd was like, we need to prepare for the worst case scenario here. This is bad. The Secretary of Treasury was kind of like, oh, yeah, like, whatever. You're you're a prime minister. You're not actually an economist. Like, you might deal with the Treasury portfolio, but you're a prime minister. You're too busy to be reading up about this. They don't realise that Kevin Rudd is like a stats machine. Mm. So literally any flight that Kevin was on, he counted that as work hours and he would use that as a chance to do his reading and get his briefings done and all that sort of stuff. So he would never take a joy flight if he's off to meet, I don't know, Banky Moon or whatever. He, I don't even know if he was alive at that point. I don't think he was. (laughs) I just thought of who embodies the UN. He would basically kind of pump the stats at that point. And Rudd said to our Secretary of Treasury, yeah, this is going to be bad. And Secretary Treasury was like, nah, probably just a normal recession. One that come around every five or ten years. Rudd was like, this could be the worst since the Great Depression. The Secretary of Treasury said Rudd's instincts were better than his. Mm. Pretty big thing. Like, you have one job is to, like, have a provide sound judgment on the economy. And for you to say, yeah, that guy's got a better judgment than I do. Firstly, fair play. Hats off yeah. to you for your humility. Secondly, yeah. that speaks volumes of... Rudd's. It really does. It really does. <laughs> I mean, the man won an unwinnable election first go. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we are referencing, we're not just laughing at, yeah. at what would be otherwise a normal phrase. We are referencing yeah, uh, Doug Liberals on schoolies. Yeah. Great video. Um, it's ironic that we talked about the apology speech just moments ago, <laughs> given the, what, um, what the young lad. True. It does say on that clip. Um, but if they ever want to come on the pod, the door is open. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kevin Rudd basically prepares for the worst case scenario. And by September, it's looking really bad. So Lehman Brothers, who are the fourth biggest investment bank in the world, they collapse. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa. Mm. It's like fourth biggest bank investment bank in America goes down. This is getting really bad. And kind of the net conclusion is we might not be able to borrow money from America and the credit system could entirely collapse. Pretty bad. And yeah, not ideal. Yeah. Ruff, he's, he's still within his first 12 months of office mm. and he kind of gets dealt dealt that way. He's really coming out to some some chin music and the fast bowlers are kind of really pitching it short to him. Yeah. Now, what Kevin Rudd does is he calls, like, it's the plan to save Christmas. And I think this would be a fantastic plot for a Christmas movie. movie, (laughs) The war will be over by Christmas. You can do it. It's great um, historical. Who's Tim Allen going to (laughs) play? Yeah, great historical fiction premise right here. Now, Kevin Rudd basically is like, okay, the biggest issue that we're going to have is that people won't have confidence to spend. Because if we can't get access to credit, that means the economy will shrink. And if people lose their confidence in the economy... And as companies start laying off people because they can't either borrow from America and America's not ex- importing Australian goods in the same levels, they're going to start firing people. And so as people lose confidence in the economy, they're going to stop spending, which will make the economic issue much worse because that's going to mean that you know, Kmart's profits are down because people aren't buying Christmas, last-minute Christmas toys for their nephew at mm. Kmart. So Kevin Rudd, he introduces the stimulus package. Yeah. Now, we we miss we miss this one, but for a lot of people, True. they got a nice little check. So at the end of two thousand and eight, ten point four billion dollars was given in stimulus. Mm. So pensioners received a one thousand four hundred dollar check, and low to middle income earners received a one thousand dollar check. Nice. Go and spend for Christmas. Yeah. Mm. We are going to save Christmas. Wow. Get down to Harvey Norman. Get yourself a new <laughs> yeah. Harvey Norman could sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it would be pretty ironic there. Like, there. <laughs> we have kind of subtle digs at like young liberals at schoolies. 
Jerry Harvey or Jeff Harvey. Like, he is an like, yeah, like he, he embodies the, he's like the hero oh, really? of young liberal school. He's, oh, he's, he's, he's quite know. a big like Gold Coast okay. Liberal Party guy, isn't he? Yeah. Is he? I, I guess I so. just don't know the, the moguls that run these organizations. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a fan of stimulus packages, old, um, yeah. yes. old Harvey. So he, he was definitely pro labor at that point yeah. for, for, for Christmas yeah. 08. And yeah. so. Basically, Rudd does the stimulus package. He saves Christmas. Everyone goes out and buys. Um, one of the things I had to factor for was it, the easy attack for the Liberal Party is they try and get all the stories of people wasting the money. So, like, try to find the guy that spends $1,000 on the pokies. And that's the stories they're going to go for, for, like, man, we're wasting this. Mm. The other issue is Howard had put a very specific measurement for economic success is the budget in surplus or is the budget in deficit? Mm. Now, I think I said, I think it's a useless metric. Some, some years you're going to have to go into debt for, for reasons. Same as, same as a business, right? Got to spend money to make money. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And you, you're looking for long-term trends rather than just what happens in one individual year. Uh, but the issue was Howard had defined those parameters as economic success. And the nation kind of broadly viewed that as, are we in profit or are we not in profit? And that's yeah. kind of the way that the the, the, the nation measured economic success. Mm. And Rudd had played into that by calling himself an economic conservative. Rudd cannot be an economic conservative in these scenarios. This requires him to spend, spend, spend rather than to save the money. So he blows the budget in one year. Bang. $10.4 billion and we're into deficit rather than into surplus. And so that starts to give the Liberal Party an angle to attack. Now, the Liberal Party are broadly supportive of the first stimulus. By 2009, there's Mm -hmm. a second stimulus, Mm -hmm. and the Liberal Party do not support this one. So this one was a $42 billion package in 2009, dished out to different people, had things in there like solar panel rebates as well, so it wasn't just money into people's bank accounts. The Liberal Party don't like that. And the Liberal Party say, hey, instead you should give tax cuts to businesses so that they can employ more people. Rudd's like, or we could just give them the money straight away. Cut out the middleman mm. and and give it to the people. The very interesting thing was that the March quarter for 2009, the Australian economy did not go into recession. We grew by 0.3%. We were the only developed economy in the world that had any growth during the GFC in that quarter. Pretty good quarter. Go Wayne Swan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, like fair play. Like he was, it was, he was named um, as the OECD Treasurer of the Year. Not without reason. Like literally, the the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, (laughs) Treasury. You, you don't. Like yeah. And so you're you're exactly right, Py, in that Kevin Rudd is widely recognised for having good economic policy during the GFC, but. The Liberal Party can very easily hijack that mm. as Labor's doing reckless spending, yeah. mm. and they can they hit not so much Rudd because Rudd can deflect that very easily. And when Rudd speaks, it's very apparent that he is an that he's economically very sound. When Gillard comes in, Gillard isn't as good as deflecting those questions, and Gillard gets stuck with the connotation that Labor spends, 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 while Liberal is the party of good economic management, mm. and that is the Achilles' heel. We'll do Gillard another time. I have a real vivid memory of being at a Sharks game, having an argument with someone. Um, I think this was like 2019. Okay. And I vividly remember them saying, all Labor ever does is spend, spend, spend. (laughs) (laughs) Why would they say that? (laughs) That's just, that's it. That's the memory. (laughs) I'm like, I guess I didn't have a leg to stand on. I guess they they (laughs) did. before Job Seeker. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This was when things were very rosy at the end of the... 2010s like yeah pre-bushfires yeah by the way just dr- driving along i don't know did you get caught in the afterburns today no, no i didn't I oh I man haven't, i haven't, I haven't just, left my house i was <laughs> so they're doing some backburning in the royal national park i was driving yeah, yeah. across the the warrenora bridge mm-hmm. oh my goodness it brought back like it started to trigger in my brain really was of, it that bad the smoke, the smoke was very bad wow like, oh, I, I, yeah I've never had such a visceral feeling of feeling like I'm in a different time. Anyway, deja vu. Bushfires again can wait for another day. Mm. Now, mm. pretty pretty good from from Kevin Rudd's point of view yeah. to be one of the few economic countries that so one of the few countries that have economic growth. Fantastic. The issue is 
you can be very selective in how you measure that. You can either compare Australia against other countries or you can compare Australia against its past. Mm. And you can be like, well, Howard kept the budget in surplus. You've put it into deficit. And Kevin Rudd will be like, no, we had to put it into deficit because it was a JFC and we're the only country that's actually had economic growth rather than an economic recession. But by that point, the headline's been written. Mm. And even though Rudd was very good at deflecting the question, the Liberals started to gain some momentum there. The Liberals had also changed leader. So firstly, after Howard, they had Brendan Nelson. He leaves and is replaced by... Tony. No. No. One in between. Malcolm. It was Mal- I was going to say oh, Malcolm. Was Malcolm. I thought yeah. Malcolm was after had Tony. A little he was. Yeah. yeah he was okay. also before. Look at him. Look at him go. Yeah. So, and that actually plays into the Malcolm and Tony rivalry is what happens at the end of 09. Mm. Now, when I was in 2009, we did our Canberra unit. That was when I was in year six. Very good. And we had to kind of cut out pictures of Kevin Rudd, Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, Opposition Leader. And, you know, you'd colour one red and one in blue and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Where the story gets really interesting is in 09, part of the stimulus package was giving money to car, like car yards. And so to kind of keep them afloat, they get a whole bunch of government money given to them. So $850 million was given to Oscar as a grant. It's just a car, like car sales company. The owner of Oscar was mates with Kevin Rudd and Wayne Swan. They're both, by the way, they're both Queenslanders. At one point, if I'm not mistaken, Wayne Swan was the godson to Kevin Rudd's child or vice versa. The godfather, oh, I think. Godfather, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Man, they should really make the fourth or fifth bill, but whatever they're up to on this yeah. subplot. Because... Rudd and Swan eventually fall out. Oh, wow. do they really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, big oh, time. That's a shame. Big time. They must have had so much fun together from 2008 to 10. Hey, like they're in, they're in the trenches together. Yeah, I know. They would have really... Uh, <laughs> like they, yeah, literally... There's beat, no hope left really for, <laughs> for romance. Yeah, are we going to end up... <laughs> they beat the DFC and they still... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. Damn. They have a mate who is, if I'm not mistaken, probably the owner of Oscar. And... Malcolm Turnbull presents an email in which Rudd, Kevin Rudd's office, discusses giving the $850 million to Oz, grant to Oscar. Like, they basically, the email basically characterizes it as Rudd giving it to his mate for mates' rates, mm. which is corruption. Mm. $850 million of taxpayer, $850 million taxpayer dollars going to keep your mate's car company in the green yep. rather yep. than yep. going under. Not good. That's blatant corruption. Mm-hmm. So, at that point, I'm like, yeah, Kevin Rudd, boo, Kevin Rudd, that sucks. That's 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 really dodgy. The issue is, Kevin Rudd never sent that email. Mm. Oh. There was a guy called Godwin Gretch. Godwin <laughs> <laughs> G. Godwin. <laughs> Top G. And I don't want to... Oh, Neil... Is it Neil, Neil Godwin? Is that... Neil Godwin is, is from he, the office. Yeah, he's in the office. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's the the, the boss from the. Did you the, also um, the Swindon the other, the this, Swindon branch? Yeah. yeah. Neil Did Godwin. Did you also know he's in the um he was in Ted Lasso? Did you pick that up? I reckon Neil? I would have at the time. I I could have had to played um. Rebecca's kind of one of Rebecca's romances. Yes. Yeah. No, I would. I definitely remember that. Quite the catch in the office. I, Ted Lasso. He's, he's a very show. well put together guy in the office. Now, mm-hmm. now <laughs> Godwin Gretch, he. I, I don't know if it's kind of playing with my mind because of, like, the assonance in his name. Quite a heel on that boot. He <laughs> kind of looks like the goblin from Harry Potter. Uh, tough. Like the Gringotts. Yeah. And his name's Godwin. And, like, yeah, you can make, like, a goblin yeah. pun out. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Point being, Godwin Gretsch presented an email. He was a bureaucrat, so kind of a public servant, not affiliated with any party, but he was looking to gain sway within the Liberal Party. And he presents Malcolm Turnbull with the email. And Malcolm Turnbull basically runs with it and says we're going to do a Senate investigation if Kevin Rudd is unable to prove, like if Kevin Rudd is unable to prove that he did not send this email, he should resign. Mm-hmm. And which is fair. Like that's like, yeah, yeah if like yeah. if you've caught, you've caught the Prime Minister corruption red-handed. Kevin Rudd plays the you know reverse card and he, the next day he's like, look, we've gone through our email records. I've got these guys to check it twice. We do not have this email at all. And Kevin Rudd, obviously, the whole time Kevin Rudd knew that something was up because he mm. had he knew he didn't send any email. And then yeah. independent investigators looked at it and they were like, yeah, we can't find anything. Then they looked on Godwin's, I think, his personal computer and found that he'd forged the email. Wow. And so Kevin Rudd the next day goes, if Malcolm Turnbull can't prove that the email is, re- is legitimate within 24 hours, 
he should resign. Oh. And, like, it's a real oh. clapback, like, yes, queen. <laughs> 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 so... Yeah, Kevin Rudd is a funny clip. Kevin Rudd, he actually, he's got quite a good comedic brain. There's some times where I'm like, man. Oh, big time. Had he, had he, he could have been a stand-up if he wanted to. <laughs> he's got the brain for it, but he chose to, you know, serve the nation instead. But he is on Rove and Rove hits him with the question of, mate, I need a car, no any dealers. Uh-huh. And Kevin says, no, unfortunately not. But if you need your email fixed, you should talk to Malcolm. <laughs> and again, the whole, everyone's Studio clapping. Audience, being like, just, uh, yes, go, <laughs> you go, girl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so from that point onwards, Malcolm Turnbull's a dead man walking. Because. So it becomes clear about the forgery and yeah. everyone, everyone God, knows God that. admits to it. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> Malcolm Turnbull's like, oh, man, thanks, thanks, mate. You really uh, yeah. put me up the creek. In fairness, Malcolm Turnbull probably could have done more due diligence about the nature of the allegation before throwing that at a prime minister. Yeah. But. Yeah, source, trust me, bro, yeah. kind, of, kind of vibes. <laughs> that being said, um, Turnbull was on the decline and... The other issue is that at the same time, Kevin Rudd wants to pass a huge, huge, would have been, in my opinion, one of the one, like nation-defining policy, the emissions trading scheme. Mm. Have you heard of the ETS? Uh, it does ring a bell, yep. Not it's, quite as big as the carbon tax well, but, um, in terms of the public vernacular. But, funny, uh, <laughs> funny you speak of that. I think it's a pretty cool concept. So- a carbon tax, there's, there's two models. The carbon tax, you basically just put a hard tax on companies that go over a certain um, amount of carbon that they use. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that it disincentivizes businesses to emit more carbon. The emissions trading scheme is different. It allocates carbon permits to companies and says, okay, everyone's allowed this amount of carbon output, but if you need to go over, you can purchase a permit from another company who has an excess and the idea is to create a market for carbon that actually, rather than having a kind of tax system, it's a private market that incentivizes not using carbon. Can you kind of mm. see the difference there? So one's just kind of mandated from government. No, you can't go over this limit. If you do, you've got to pay. The other one is yeah. um, if you go over, you've got to pay, but not us. You can buy it from another company who can sell it in excess. And so they're then incentivized not only to not go over, but to go so far under that you can then sell your carbon permit to another country to another company. Mm. It's a really cool model. Europe, Europe, Smart. Europe used it before, and there were some teething issues with with Europe's model. And basically, Rudd was trying to do an upgrade on that. And basically, it involved the Labor Party going to your BHP Billitons, going to like the steelworks down in Port Kembla, and basically getting huge amounts of data on the kind of emissions of all the nation's industries. And the reason why it was really clever is the private sector was willing to go along with it mm. because it's way better. That's better than a carbon tax. And the private sector is not stupid. They can see the tide is moving towards, you know, affirmative action on or positive action on climate. That is preferable to a carbon tax for them. And so the reason why it was clever is that it's actually sustainable because private businesses can get alongside it. The Greens hated it because it wasn't ambitious enough. So basically the, the the end goal was to have emissions, so 2020's emissions be 5% lower than 2000's emissions. Now that sounds really underwhelming considering you're 20 years more advanced, mm. but the theory behind it is, well, yeah, we are 20 years more advanced, so 5% under is a damn good record considering population growth and everything that comes with it. And so that was kind of Rudd's angle. The Greens didn't like it. You know who else didn't like it? Malcolm Turnbull. No, he loved it. He actually... Oh, good for him. He supported it. Now, the way the kind of Senate worked is the Liberal held 37 out of 76 seats and Labor only held 32 and the Greens held five. So if Labor yeah. wanted to get stuff done... They needed the either the had a lot of Liberals power. or the Greens to sign off on it in the Senate. Hmm. Now, they could rely on the Greens for most of the stuff already because the Greens saw them as the lesser of two evils compared to the Liberal Party. Mm-hmm. However, the Liberals and the Greens teamed up. What? Yeah. So what happens? So Turnbull goes to the Senate and he's like, we, need, we should support this. This is, this is good policy. And this is good for business. And Turnbull is from 
your kind of corporate sector that doesn't have huge amounts of carbon emissions. So he's from like financial and banking and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, Wentworth wealth. He's not Gold Coast wealth, which is like, yeah, I'm a huge mining magnate. Yeah. And yeah. that's who Tony Abbott kind of represented within the factions. Okay. And so Tony Abbott is like, nah, we can't support this. This is firstly political suicide because we need to have something to hit labor over the head with. And secondly, it's bad for our mining companies that are huge donors to the party. He doesn't say that out loud, but that's kind of the gist of the argument. This is bad for our base and bad for the economy. And so Tony Abbott challenges Malcolm Turnbull for the leadership. Out of those two, there there's actually a third person who was in the race, Joe Hockey. Joe Hockey was the favorite mm. to win out of those three. In the first round, Hockey got the least of the, of the votes. So that left just Tony Abbott and Malcolm Turnbull, and Tony Abbott won 42 votes to 41 Wow. Oh my. Alternate history. What if one person flipped towards Turnbull in 2009? We could probably still have an emissions trading scheme today. Oh, I know. And someone could have just woken up one morning and was like, uh, I've changed my mind. Like, <laughs> <laughs> flip, uh, flip the coin. Yeah. So that was insane. So Turnbull gets knifed and then mm. Tony Abbott teams up with Bob Brown, the, the Greens leader in the Senate, and they vote down the emissions trading scheme. Mm. Kevin Rudd is really annoyed. Mm. The reason why he's really annoyed is he's going to the Copenhagen Climate Conference at the end of 2009. So around about the same time I'm doing my school musical just to kind of put it mm. on its rightful perspective, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just to keep our scale, yeah. not yeah. to blow things so out of proportion. In world events, we're talking <laughs> similar scale. And basically Rudd wants to go to Copenhagen because with Copenhagen, think about this for a crazy pitch, right? You're a wealthy country. So you're, I don't know, Australia, America, yeah, the UK at that point, whoever. And you're going to go to this conference and you're going to tell emerging nations like India that they need to reduce their carbon output. And India would rightfully be able to say, yeah, but you've kind of pumped, like you created climate change. You pumped all this stuff into the atmosphere for, you know, 150, 200 years. You've gotten rich of it. And you're going to tell us that we can't get rich off of it because it's bad because it's an environmental issue that you created. Mm. You can understand how annoyed emerging nations would be at Copenhagen. Yeah. So if Rudd's going to persuade them out of it and talk them into kind of taking action on climate change, he needs to have a model that looks to gain, look, looks for them to gain wealth rather than to lose wealth. The emissions trading scheme is that. The carbon tax isn't. And so he wants to take that to Copenhagen, firstly, as kind of like probably a bit of a vanity, like, yeah, how, like... You know, at any conference, I don't know, this is pretty common in, in school circles that principals will go to conferences and brag about all the good things their school has done. You chat, chat chat to the people on the ground like, I didn't know that happened. <laughs> like, it's, just like, it's like in any workplace, right? The leader wants to have things to yeah, be able yeah. to yeah, big time. posture to their buddies about. Mm. And Kevin Rudd had to go to Copenhagen empty-handed. I mean, we got our revenge in 2022, oh, potentially 2023 depending how the Matildas go. Mm. <laughs> when, <laughs> when we showed Denmark that, yeah, we yeah. do have stuff to offer. But <laughs> there was also an allegation that Kevin Rudd had an off-the-record media press conference and he called the Chinese rat effers. Oh, yes. Mm. We've talked about this before. I think we have. And Kevin Rudd gets interviewed about it and Kevin Rudd's like, I didn't have a lot of sleep that day. <laughs> I can't remember. It's like, does yeah. it sound like something you would say? It's like, well, I, I do speak quite candidly, but um, I, I do not recall the comment that you said. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. 2009. It's record, it's, it was recorded. No, it was. It's off the record. Oh, so yeah. it was leaked. Like, journos are kind of saying, like, same way that, like, they're like, oh, yeah, England didn't want beers after the Oval. Have yeah, you, yeah like, that, I have seen that. That story just, anyway. It's Maybe weird. they didn't want beers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just, reckon it's just a Canadian club ad. It's you reckon it's just a coincidence. You reckon what that they didn't want beers? Like one of them's lying, right? Have you, have you listened to the Greg Cricketers? Yeah. Segment, yeah. Where, <laughs> where they break down the three possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> it's a coincidence, or someone's lying. <laughs> <laughs> now, anyway, <laughs> this is the beginning of the end for Kevin Rudd. Copenhagen, it's all downhill from here. Basically, what happened was at the beginning of 2010, Pakistan are touring Australia uh-huh. for the cricket. 
Yeah. That incredible controversial SCG test. Yeah. Which I am match at, fixing. I am sure Pakistan <laughs> match fixed that game when you look oh, at that was just, I remember watching that as a ten year old though and being like, cricket is great. Yeah. I Peter mean you, Sorry, what what was the match fixing allegation? I don't So basically so mm. in that test, Australia got rolled for something ridiculously low, like hundred and twenty seven. Yeah, in the first innings. Pakistan Maybe. put on a pretty good first innings total. Yeah. And then in the second innings, Michael Hussey, who's terribly out of form, gets a century. Mm. The issue is he's dropped three times by Cameron Akmal, the Pakistani wiki keeper, <laughs> and they're, they're routine catches. Yeah. And we also have two other players in the team, Muhammad Azif and Muhammad Amir. So two fast bowlers, bowling no balls, no balls. That, that sort of thing. And yeah. six months later, they're found guilty of match fixing for not the Australia game, for different games. Mm. But you're like, oh, that looks pretty dodge. And then in the in Pakistan's chase, they're only chasing like 160 or something pretty low. Routine chase. Like I know fourth day, fifth day wickets aren't great, mm. but you'd still expect them to chase 160. Yeah. And they're playing some of the most ridiculous shots you've ever seen. <laughs> and I just want to give a quick shout out to Nathan Horitz for taking oh, yeah. one of the greatest catches I've ever seen. I was driving to Josh's place, so I missed it. But Josh filled me in as soon as I got there. He gets like hit. Bang in the chest. Yes. And he's, he just puts his hand on his heart, like the way you would when you're shot, and the ball sticks there. So oh, good. Very and he good. drops to the ground in agony. Like, he could have died. <laughs> yeah. We watched, like, those highlights recently, I think, Cam. I feel oh, like we yes. Did. It was, like, the hour-long yes. full match highlights. Because, yeah, I remember that because we were with our friend Tim. Mm. Congratulations on you and Tim. Mm. Um, and Tim only got into cricket later. So we had the joy of being able to brief yeah. someone who loves cricket on a match he didn't know anything about. Very good. And wow. that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Patreon, we should we can do it again yeah. for, <laughs> yeah, for Ben. But anyway, so what is, <laughs> yeah, what's the relevance of this yeah, Pakistan? So, yeah. So Pakistan get to meet they, like the touring team meets with the Prime Minister. Yeah. And so they get to meet with Kevin Rudd. Yep. The meeting is delayed because Julia Gillard has booked a meeting with Kevin Rudd. And in that uh. meeting both, we don't know who's telling the truth, Frank, where we had <laughs> yeah, this yeah. before. Yeah. According, so the kind of common sense approach would be, okay, Kevin Rudd's popularity is falling. Let's call an early election now before it drops any further because we'll still win quite comfortably. If we let it go on for six months, we could probably only go downhill from here. I don't see how we get pop- more popular in six months. According to both of them, the other person said no. We don't know who's telling the truth. don't know who's lying. Mm. And that's when rumours starts to spread that Gillard wants Kevin's job. Yeah. In fighting. Yes. And that's, that just screams stability to the nation. <laughs> <laughs> Sarcasm. Now, there's a senator that we need to introduce. You probably don't know him. His name is Mark Arbib. Mm, no, he, I don't know him. He is a Labor Party power broker. So he was pulling the strings in the factions. Now, basically, because he was a power broker, he gets to take the senator's seat. Yep, guys. Like, it's kind of like the captain making himself first drop or whatever. Yeah. Or opening bowler. He comes in and he, Kevin Rudd, basically says, yep, we're going to approve this guy to be representing Labor in the Senate. Mark Arbib. And initially, he's pro-Kevin Rudd. He actually helped Kevin Rudd win over Kim Beasley. Kevin Rudd starts to annoy the Americans. He's not a fan of the quad. <laughs> he also introduced something called the mining super profits tax. Now, mining is big in Australia. Without mining, we are a much poorer country. We are very reliant on Western Australia. Shout out to them. Please don't secede. <laughs> but the mining companies are not a, really Australian. On paper, they're Australian companies. So Rio Tinto and BHP Billiton, on paper, they're Australian companies. But in reality, through kind of investments in share, like through like kind of shareholders, 83% of Rio Tinto is foreign owned. 76% of BHP Billiton is foreign owned. Mm. Now, what happens if you don't tax these companies, that is wealth going out of the country because that money is going into the pockets of the shareholders in America, in Scotland, in Brazil, wherever. Kevin Rudd's like, okay, well, pretty common sense approach here would be to put a kind of tax on the mega mining companies. So that, that way the wealth is being kept within Australia and Australians are kind of benefiting from their own resources. 
It's not American resources. They're Australian resources. If you dig it up and sell it, that's, some of that money has to go into the hands of Australia rather than just into your shareholders. Veminently opposed by the mining lobby. Not good for America either because it's American money that they're missing out on. Mark Arbib, where does he come into it? He is an informant for America. And he basically provides America with a lot of info on what's happening behind the scenes with Labor. He asks America to keep his informant status hidden. That is on record. That would come out in WikiLeaks cables. Ooh. So this guy, he's like, he's legit, like a legit informer for America. And at the same time, the Americans are speaking glowingly about Julia Gillard. And they are very happy with her. In fact, one of the things they say is they've that she's gone out of her way to be helpful to America since the election. Julia Gillard is also very highly esteemed in Israel, and Israel is a very important strategic ally for America. And Kevin Rudd wanted to position Australia as being the intermediary power between America and China, and America didn't want that. Oh. So Kevin Rudd is not particularly well liked. Yeah. Mark Arbib, <laughs> he pulls the strings behind the coup. Really? So, do you know any of the conspirators, or um, like to use Kevin Rudd's language, anyone who's involved in the coup? That's how he talks about his 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 ousting. <laughs> do you know who any of them were? Obviously Gillard. Yep. What was uh, was uh, Penny Wong doing something? Actually, no, I actually don't know. I don't know who side she was on. Hmm. Were Kevin and Wayne still good mates at this point or had they fallen out? Wayne flipped. Yeah. Wayne. So Wayne was part of the coup. That sucks. <sighs> At two brute. There's more. Um, Shorten. Shorten. Now, yeah. Shorten was fresh on the scene in 07. Yeah. And he was just kind of like young, talented Labor mm. MP. Yeah. Rudd decided not to give him a ministry. Ah. Uh. Another one, do you know Tony Burke? Mm. You probably you probably recognise his face. He's one of the one of the um, higher ranked guys. He also flips as well, and he had meetings with Mark Arbib. And then after he met with Mark Arbib, he goes to Julia Gillard and he encourages Julia Gillard to go and do it. So this is Tony Burke. Shorten also gives basically his guarantee to Gillard as well. Albert stays loyal to Kevin. Oh. <laughs> just want to put that on record and so basically we fast forward to 2010 and new stories kind of continue to roll around julia gillard dethroning kevin rudd julia gillard gets asked point blank she says she's got more chance of being a forward for the bulldogs afl she's a victorian so i assume she meant afl bulldogs okay. rather than canterbury yep. bulldogs yeah and so she kind of says that she plays it down but What's happening behind the scenes is Arbibs and Shorten and Burke are strongly gaining numbers and they're convincing other people to flip to Gillard. Gillard meets with Kevin Rudd. Rudd basically says, bro, you've got to, you've got to at least give me the 2010 election. And if there's a chance, like if I go down in the polls and it seems like I won't win, I will resign. I will step down. Give me that chance. Yeah. Julia Gillard is a bit flaky about that. Kevin Rudd leaves with the impression that she kind of agreed with that. Hmm. Gillard's reflection is, I could have been stronger and firmer with my no. I just kind of bottled it a bit under pressure. Oh. It's like an unsuccessful breakup. When, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, right now. I'm, I'm, just not, I'm not, just not looking for that right I now. I can't really see you right <laughs> now. Oh, so when you're able <laughs> yeah, to do that. I'm you're super <laughs> busy right now. <laughs> oh, sweet. So when, when, when work dies down, we're back on. <laughs> and so... Rudd is left with the impression that he's got the 2010 election at least and that is not the case as Gillard marches in and is basically like, look, sorry, Kevin, I'm challenging you. It becomes pretty clear that Rudd doesn't have the numbers, so Rudd stands down and she wins the the ballot uncontested. This is in 2010. The election is about two months away. For Tony Abbott, that's a free hit if ever you get one. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep, no Prime Minister deserves to be treated like that. This is a government in shambles and we'll come on to we'll do a Gillard another day because it is also a fascinating story. Yep. But Rudd is gone. And he cries. Yeah. yeah. Fair. Like fair, fair, fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ah, uh, well, it seems like it's it's a shame, really. Mm. If just one Liberal MP <laughs> voted for Turnbull, because yeah. the other thing as well, Abbott is a phenom- was a phenomenal opposition leader, mm. like one of the most effective. His messaging was simple: carbon tax bad, ETS bad, don't affect the economy, less taxes, budget in surplus. I'm your guy. Yeah, and he was he was phenomenal as an opposition leader. And if he if Turnbull wins. Again, the ATS gets passed, which means Rudd is the person that goes into 2010, not Gillard. Labor wins that election comfortably rather than in minority government, which means they don't need to pass the carbon tax, which means they don't get absolutely demolished at the 2013 election because they don't have to answer to the Greens and that kind of tanked them in 2013. Abbott probably doesn't come in as the prime minister. It's just like, Mm. how could Australian history have been different if one person woke up and was like... Mm. No, you know what? It's like I'm the master of my yeah. own destiny. Yeah. I kind yeah. of picture Malcolm them. Turnbull bought me a muffin yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was quite good. Uh, I think I'll stick with him. Yeah. I picture them kind of all sitting at their desks, heads down, putting their hands up. Who <laughs> 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 they want to vote for? We <laughs> should do a class captain Patreon. Let's see on thumbs up Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, Kevin Rudd did come back. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that another day. The return of the king. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.